Hi, and thanks for joining us today. We'll be visiting with Jesper Sindel, who is an entrepreneur and communication expert. His special expertise is guiding online entrepreneurs in the delicate art of effortlessly attracting leads and seamlessly transforming them into loyal clients. And his proprietary neuromessaging method allows for a profound connection with the subconscious. Okay, here we go. Let's extend a warm welcome to Jasper. I want to welcome to the show Jasper Sandel. Jasper is thank you for coming, Jasper. Appreciate you being here. Jasper, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Jasper Sandel. Uh, and uh, I am calling in from Japan, and um, I work with neuromessaging. I work with messaging, communication in general, whether that's uh, for marketing, whether that's for presentation, whether that's for educational purposes. Uh, so that's what I do. That's awesome. Tell me, how did you get in there? That's so exciting and it's so it's so unique. I. So I'm sure everybody would love to know more about that. Tell us. Yeah, sure. What would you like to know? Where, where do you want me to start? I would like to know, how did you start? How did you get into neuromessaging? So, I mean, it's just a term that we coin. Um, we know it by many different names. Um, maybe I just I start by explaining the difference between neuromessaging and perhaps information messaging, what I call. Um, just imagine, go back in, in, in time to when you were in school and you go back to that class, you know, that one class that you hated, that almost everybody hated. It was so, so boring. It was boring beyond belief. You were sitting in that class. You were listening to the teacher, just yapping, 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 talking. You couldn't care less, right? But you had to be in the class because if you didn't go to the class, if you didn't pass the tests, they would flunk you, like your grades would go down or something like that. But it was awful. You were just looking at the, the second indicator on the wall and that clock, and it looked like it was dipped in glue. You just couldn't wait to get out of there. Imagine one day, the principal comes in and he says, you know, Jesper, this class is no more mandatory. It's optional. Yay. So if you want to take it, go right ahead. Um, but it's it's mandatory. Instead, if you want, we have this new movie theater um, that's running the latest James Bond movie. Um, so if you want to do that instead, that's perfectly okay. The grade won't matter one, one bit. So the point is this. Most information that we have out there, we don't want. The whole reason we sit in on that class is because of the fear of, fa of, of failing the grade or failing the test. So there's an emotion that puts us into that room, and that's the, the, the fear of failing. Uh, on the other hand, neuromessaging is like that movie. It uses the senses, the, the taste, the smell, the vision, the hearing. Um, you experience things in that moment as if it were happening to you. Like when James is running again um, after that bad guy, it feels like it's we that we're doing it. The excitement is real. Um, so... That's essentially what neuromessaging is, that it uses the senses and it cuts through all that informational clutter and goes straight to the source. That's, if that's that makes very, sense. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah. How, how are you using that to support uh, entrepreneurs in their journeys of sales? So that's the problem for entrepreneurs, right? It's there's so much, there's so much information out there. Um, so that every day, like from the moment you wake up in the morning is on the phone, there's gonna be emails, there's text messages, there's all such of information coming at you all the time. And I don't know if you know this, but in terms of for neuromessaging, the brain has a very limited capacity for taking information. Um, so, so approximately the cognitive part of the brain can take in about 40-50% of bits of data per second. The subconscious can take in around like 11 million bits per second. Uh, so in essence, whatever we experience on a, from, a, from a moment to moment is something like 0.9999999996% subconscious. 
So if you're trying to add more information to people who are already in information overload, who are desperately trying to shield themselves from all that information, it's going to be a very hard time to get through to people. On the other hand, if you know how to speak to their subconscious with that million, 11 million bits of information that they have, it's much easier to cut through. I hope that wow. makes sense. <laughs> wow. So how do you speak to their subconscious? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> well, there's several, several different ways, and you already know one way. Um, one way is using stories. And that's one aspect of it. Like, like you can be slugging uh, along one day, and then all of a sudden you come across a video you weren't supposed to really view or, or look at, but it's like a YouTube thing, and it gets you hooked. And like 30 minutes later, you realize, oh, i just been watching a movie for, for the last 30 minutes. I have no idea. It didn't take any effort. I didn't have to think about it. I just enjoy it. It just pulled me in. Uh, so that's one way of, of using neuromessaging. And of course, there are other ways as well. If you look at really good copy, um, it would seem that the, there's words coming at you and there's information. But if you look a little closer, every word, every sentence is actually carrying an emotional uh, message. So it's almost like inside of that message, there's another message. Like there's a message within the message. And the thing that gets people clicking on that button or taking action or getting excited or start dreaming about the future, it's not the information. It's what's written uh, between the lines. Wow, wait. So the copywriters are tricking our brains? I wouldn't say tricking, but what they're <laughs> doing is they're triggering emotions uh -huh. as they write it. You know what I mean? So rather than rather than dumping lots of information on people, what they do is that they have a very specific intent with what they're writing, not about the information, but how they want us to feel like what they want us to see, what they want us to visualize, what they want us to start dreaming about. Uh, it's not the words themselves, it's the meaning that, you know, the meaning that they carry. Okay, I think I'm getting, I think what you're saying, they engaging our, our visual, visual uh, senses, senses and other senses, they're making us Feel, engage our feelings and uh, and imagine things that's yeah. how they, how they okay i got you yeah 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 it's really it's really it's really how how it works so it it when you when you speak directed to the subconscious um what happens is that you trigger the nervous system uh so that it's not only that it's not information anymore it triggers the when it triggers the uh, um our nervous system, what happens is that we start reacting to what we're reading or what we're, what we're witnessing, what we're watching. We're starting to actually sweat. Um, our, our pupils start dilating. Um, our heartbeat goes up. We feel like it has a bodily reaction. Um, so when you can activate, when you can speak directly to the subconscious and activate uh, the, the sensories and, and the emotions, all of a sudden we feel the message. We don't take it in as information. We feel the message. Doesn't it release the certain chemicals that makes us get in that state? Yes. You can look at the brain from a few different perspectives. We can talk about emotions. We can talk about neurochemicals. Um, so the, the one that the neurochemical that you hear about all the time is dopamine. Feel good right? hormone. Yay. Yeah, we want the good that we want to feel good dopamine. It's the anticipation of a reward, anticipation of something good to happen. So, so if, say for example, in your message, and this is something that people struggle with a lot, is that when you start a message, you're not starting to give them information. What you're doing, you're auditioning for their attention. Because there's so much going on in the world. If you cannot, in a fraction of a second, get their attention. And the reason why that you continue to consume your message, they're probably going to click away. So as an entrepreneur, if you cannot capture their attention in, the, in just a fraction of a second, pretty much, they're going to go somewhere else. 
So for a message to be very effective, it doesn't matter if it's just a message for marketing, it could be for a presentation as well, uh, or even if you're gonna teach your class, if you cannot immediately make it clear to the audience what's in it for them, they're probably not, either they're gonna leave or they're gonna tune out. And the thing that causes them to be pay, pay attention, to get really excited, is the release of dopamine. Uh, it, it's just that thing that, oh, this is for me. This is exciting. I want to stick around. Yeah. This is fun. This is exciting. I want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say a couple of first couple of seconds? Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, because you're bombarded with so much stuff. If you can't capture their attention, they're gone. Um, I mean, how many times have you come to, come to a website that you don't understand what what is this about? I don't understand what's in it for me. We don't think that consciously, but we think, okay, I don't know. This is not interesting. Click away. Next thing. I'm not interesting. Click away. So if you look at sales letters, for example, you people say, well, don't overpromise. You should never overpromise what you can deliver for your clients. But if you underpromise, if you don't capture their attention, get them excited, they're gonna click away. So it's okay to make a big enough promise, don't lie, but make a big enough promise that makes them go, I really want that. Look, I don't know if that's possible. It's gonna trigger their bullshit detecting filters. It's gonna go, yeah, but is that really possible? But that's what the continuation of the sales letter is for, to make them realize that this is possible for them. It's not only possible, it's possible for them now. Overpromise and overdeliver. Yeah. Yes. We don't want to overpromise. I don't want to take that back. We want to make sure we promise just big enough that they continue reading and then we prove it in the sales letter or whatever it is. It could be a presentation, it could be a class, whatever it is. But we 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 prove what we promise at the beginning. Uh, Jasper, are there key words that you think they needs to be like in the first sentence or some such thing like this? There are some keywords, and if you look at like headlines and, and things like that, there are a couple of things that you really want to have if you can. But one of the key things that you always want to have is unique, something that's new, something that's unique, something that's radically different, uh, something that they haven't seen before. It's if you can get that into the beginning of your sales letter or your message or or even if it's an email. That's a that's a very good thing to include because that triggers dopamine. Um, when something is new and novel, there's something in the brain that triggers something. In, in, it's an area called the ventral tegmental area that it starts producing dopamine, and they think it's because of evolutionary reasons that when we see something is new, it could be potentially really uh, beneficial for us. You know, on on. A, on like as for for the species to always be looking for new things that could be good for our survival. So that new, that novel is the only time when it when that cre creates a, the dopamine in the brain. It's just a, a biological wiring. So new <laughs> and unique you want to have and useful. Like it does if you just put something that's new, that could be sensation sensational. But if it's not really useful to you and your particular situation, it's not really, it's not going to do much good because you need it to be really useful to their particular situation. I say new, unique and speak to their pain points, to their problems. Yeah, you you have to. Um, the thing is that we're, that's, that's when we talk about messaging, we talk about marketing messaging to the right audience. If you're not speaking to the right audience, you can get the best copywriter in the world, but it would still not work because the audience, you know, it's not for them. They don't know why. They don't need what you're talking about. We are, if you look in the, in, in the brain, you can, you can see that what react to most is things that is, is tied into our survival. Um, and we, the, the things that were tied into our survival, for many people, that's going to be money. Uh, for other people, it's going to be some kind of strategic value. And I'm speaking about entrepreneurs, but it's going to be a, some sort of strategic value that they have. You know, efficient resources, that they have enough tactics that they can actually make their business work. 
But those pain points, if they don't have that, those pain points are running on loop in people's minds. If we're not thinking about it. It's subconscious. But if you, in your message, hit right on those pain points that they're already having, their subconscious is going to say, this message is for me. And it's tied into our survival. Pay attention. This is really important. So you automatically pull them in if you hit them on their pain points. And hit them on the pain points sounds, sounds a little harsh. That's not what, what I mean. You solve a problem for people because of their pain points. Does that make sense? So yeah, let me let me summarize. Unique, relevant message. Yep. Yeah. How, how do you how do you get in front of the pe uh, people the right audience? How do the pe how people determine who is their right audience? Well, I think you know people talk about creating demand, creating desire a lot, and it sounds good when you write it, and we all want that. So we say, you know, you just have to push out demand creating content you know and then your content will be so demand creating that an avalanche of customers are suddenly going to come in almost <laughs> practically overnight you know <laughs> but the fact is that we are dealing with people um it starts with people i don't think you should create a product and try to find the people to match it i think that's a recipe for failure but if you start with understanding the people first what is the actual problems? What are the actual pains that they're going through? Then if you can solve that, make a product out of that, then you're starting with the people, understanding what they are really struggling with. And if you can solve that problem, then you have something that's worth paying for. Then you have something that's worth paying attention to, something worth um, using your energy for. So in terms of finding an audience, I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think it's, you know, your audience, you know what they really need, and then you create based on that. So figure out what problems you want to solve, then you're not going to have an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people have a hard time because they, they tell us, you know, create a product you're really good at. And then you, you're going to make a fortune. You can sell it. The course market is expanding explosively. But the reality is that if you don't solve a problem big enough for people to pay money, an actual real problem that people are struggling with, it's going to be hard to sell anything because people buy, you know, people, we buy for wants as well. We buy a lot for wants. Why do people have a hundred shoes when two shoe pairs of shoes could suffice? But <laughs> <laughs> do men do that too? How many pair of shoes do you have? <laughs> I'm guilty of so many things, but I'm oh, not guilty of that. Really? You're guilty? Wait, wait. Does that mean you have? A... Don't tell me you have a closet full of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope. Oh, it's closed. Yeah, good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's important. It's it's a it's a people's business, right? If you if you're not interested in people creating things, then it's 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 surprising. Especially if you're a coach, uh, if you're in that if you're in that niche, you you have to like people. You have to understand people. I I think. Oh yeah. Well, if you're solving people problem, you better like people at least most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> unless you can time. unless you can't sell anything and then you say what am i doing wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what would you recommend for the people that overwhelm and they keep trying and 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 the message is not really um resonates with people that they want to attract so yeah that's a really good question what you want to do what you wonder what what you want to understand is People were self-centered um, in, 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 as a general, like that's a survival mechanism. We're looking out for our own interests all the time. It's just part of survival. And it's nothing, it's not, it's, it's not sinister. There's nothing wrong about that. It's just that we're, we're self-centered 
because we're survival creatures. So people live in their own world. And then what what I usually what I usually see in is people show up on say social media um, or even in their messages. And what they do is they start talking about their solution. They start talking about the solution. They start talking about how great it is and how they solve problems and, and things like that. But they miss the part of, but who am I talking to? How do I make a case for somebody to listen first? Um, it's almost like it's almost like you're going to the doctor uh, because you have a stomach ache. You go to the doctor's office. You sit in the waiting room for an hour. Finally, the doctor opens the door. And before you even get to sit down at the doctor's chair, he takes out a little jar of pills. He sticks this in your hands, pushes you out the door, closes the door. He gave you just a recipe. But you didn't get a chance to explain, okay, but I have a stomach ache. You know, I've been feeling this for two weeks. Or he just, here's the recipe, take it. It might work. <laughs> it might. He might get lucky. The doctor might get lucky. Maybe this guy just had exactly what that pill sold. For most part, that's not going to be the case. Even if it worked, will I like that doctor? Will I go back to that doctor? Did he listen to me? Did he care about me? No. You know, he you know, he took my money, he gave me pills, some kind of a generic pills that works for some people, and he didn't really care about me in one bit. You wanna the way you, you talk to people, I think you have to live in their world. You have to start talking about what their reality is, what their problems are, what they're trying to, to do to solve those problems, why it's not working, and explain why that's not working and, 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 and then the reason why it's not working. So you have to live in the world of your customers. You have to talk about their pain points. You have to show them that you understand what they're going through. And when you do that and being specific enough, they're going to automatically start listening because those things, if you understand the people, those things are already running a loop in their minds. And when you remind them, when you remind them of that, when you start talking about those loops, they're going to pay attention. When you brought up the, the story about uh, going to the doctor, I hear all the time, especially for movement, they, they say, well, I get DM saying like, well, uh, here, here, try my offer. Uh, if one is, you're going to lose 50 pounds. Well, how did I know I'm fat? And how did I know I need, I need to lose weight? They don't know my problem. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. I hear especially that particular issue from women. Like they don't, people get offended. It's like, like you need to know if the person have an issue, like you need to listen, understand, and, and figure out, do they even have the problem that you're trying to solve for them? They might have it, and maybe that's not their even priority. They may still have that problem, but how can you just come out without talking to them, offering them solutions? So I can totally relate to that because especially in the world of social media now, people just sending offers, just like not even talking with people, and that turns everybody off too. So you, I, I think that's one of the biggest thing in, in order to offer a solution, you need to listen to people to see what problem they're trying to solve. They may have five or six problems, but right now one of them is the biggest one and that's what their priority is, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely, yeah, you're and absolutely right. Another thing to uh, piggyback of what you, you, you were saying is that I've heard a lot of uh, gurus saying like, well, the easiest thing to do is to give advice yourself from like three or four years ago. Like, you know how it feels. You know how, how you felt for, with that certain circumstances because you can relate to other people feeling in that circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah that's important. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's important. I, I mean, if you if you don't understand the people it's it's hard to help them uh, if you've been and that's probably the easiest thing to to sell the kind of easiest service or product to do if you've been in their shoes but you've overcome the situation um because then you can understand them and I don't really like like you just have to be one step ahead of your 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 clients to I help hear that them. all the time do you agree with that 
No, I don't agree with that. I think you need a lot more. Than I one step? <laughs> many, many steps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's an elephant step, perhaps. But it needs to be many steps, you know. If it's just one step ahead, you, you, you haven't figured out you haven't figured out enough. Now there's a there's a danger when you when you're too far ahead. Is that it's called a curse of knowledge that in certain cases you forgot what it's like to struggle on the early stages, so you can't really speak to their problems where they are now. You speak over their head. Um, so so that could be a problem, but I think you need to be more than just one step ahead of them. Maybe three. I fully understand. <laughs> Three or four, five. I don't know. Three or four. Can we can we agree on four and a half? <laughs> yeah, I was always wondering. A lot of uh, gurus saying that tell you you just need to be one step ahead. Uh, well, I don't think one step is enough. Maybe three, four, five, something like that. <laughs> well, but I think there's one you... thing. There's one thing of 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 saying something. Because when you sell something, you sell it by making it sound so easy. That's one of those things. That's one of the selling buttons. Uh, if you actually analyze lots of messaging, copywriting, you're going to see that they're making they're making you push that easy button. It's going to be easy for me to do this. All you got to do is one step ahead. Easy, easy, easy. Anybody can do it. Easy, easy, easy. Um, so, I you know, there's that's much more to it. And if you look at it from a from a business perspective, if you're just one step ahead of them, then you're going to teach them exactly your steps. But we live in a very crowded market. We live in a very saturated world. So you're probably not going to be the only one teaching them that. So take something like mindset, for example. How many people are teaching mindset? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And if you can teach them mindset, that is great. But if you want to make a business out of it, the moment you convince somebody that they need help with their mindset, great. I'm a mindset coach, but that's great. So are thousands of others. How, why should I now choose you? If you are a mindset coach, like every other mindset coach, how can I now separate myself from all the mindset coaches? So just one step ahead with no uniqueness tied to how you solve it, you put yourself in a bit of a pickle. Um, that's why I think being some further steps along and having, having figured out a way to solve it in a way that's different from just mindset is crucial. If you want to make a career, if you want to, if you want to get the business going, you have to not only understand their pain points, know what they're feeling, know how to take them out. You also need to know how to create separation from others who teach similar things. Mm. That brings you back to USP, unique sales proposition, isn't it? Yeah, unique selling proposition. It can go by different names. It could be a unique mechanism. Some call some call it a vehicle. But the thing is, if you really understand people, you can really solve solve their problems. But you fail to differentiate yourself. In a very 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 real sense, you're selling as much for everybody else. You're selling for your competitors too because you highlighted the problem that there's a solution, but you didn't highlight how you are uniquely positioned to help them. Wow. You know, I never thought about that. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. That 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 is that is an interesting thought. Because when when you kind of, oh wow. So you so you helping them, but that the you're not showing how you can help them. So Therefore, they can go see your competitors, so to speak. Wow. Yeah. And there's also another aspect to that. And that's, that has to do with, we're so jaded. We hear so many promises all the time that we take them with a big, big grain of salt. So if somebody comes and says, for example, take the weight loss industry, for example. If somebody says, you know, you're going to drop 20 pounds. It's just going to take you a weekend. Yeah, yeah, we would like to believe that, but we don't believe that. But if somebody comes along, and this, this, they've done this a lot, especially in the weight industry, because the, the goal is almost always the same, to, to shed weight, to lose all those pounds, right? So the, the outcome is not different, but 
how do you get there it's 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 the difference if you've heard everything already before you're just not you're just not going to pay attention but if there's something new that makes sense what happens is okay so i haven't tried this before maybe this one could work and if you can make a logical argument at the same time for why this works remember that new thing i talked about the new and novel it triggers that dopamine once more and what that does it gives them hope i've tried this just this this in the past nothing worked i don't care what they what they what they promise but here's something completely different i've never tried this i want this it makes so much sense let me try this and they get full of hope and then and then you have a viable product but then you have to deliver <laughs> you better be able to deliver yeah <laughs> so uh, creating excitement isn't it about something new intriguing something new and intriguing and unique something they never tried before so they can build that hope and excitement but sometimes that's all it takes is that hope and excitement and and confidence that yes that's something you will help me yeah yeah don't you think i yeah i th yeah i think so and unfortunately sometimes it ends there uh, because we all know that as much as we want it to be just a one two three step process where it's mapped out for us this is going to be work involved but in the moment when we make a purchase decision what happens is that buying that thing is an accomplishment or it feels like an accomplishment itself like i took a stand for this or i i took a stand for my future uh by buying this product that's the buying process now comes the second part which is the implementation mm -hmm. and that's where we know that almost everybody falls off because that takes some work usually what what about buyer's remorse if what what do you think about that yeah, I think bias remorse is that you can't deliver on the promise. Uh, if you over promise, uh, under deliver, um, especially if you don't gain their trust, then you get bias remorse. So if you have a product that really works, you know it works. But of course, it usually only works if people, people take action. I think a very critical thing to do is that right after they buy the purchase, one of the first things when they start using the product should be to reinforce what a great decision it was that they bought the thing. Reinforce, um, remind them of what the outcome is going to be if they actually use the product. Uh, so, you're, so in a sense, you're always, I'm using the word selling here, but you're always motivating, motivating them to the future, the possibilities of the future, but they have to take action. You have to continuously to inspire them to implement, to take that action. Yeah. Otherwise, if, if they don't take the action, there's not, they're not going to get desired outcome. Yeah. The action is the hardest part for me, usually. People buy a lot of programs and such, and a lot of them may get to the module two or three, and if there is no inspired action to implement, they're not going to use the program. You've noticed that? Yeah, unfortunately, I I do. Uh, and I have two things to say about that. Um, is is if you go to the module two, three, you're probably ahead of most people. Because most people they 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 say like the, in the old days when they would deliver courses on say CDs, uh -huh. it's a funny story from Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy, like the 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 father of modern small business marketing. In the, I think it was in the 90s, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but in the 90s, they had a course and they delivered it on, on, on discs. So say that the course was like 10 DVDs or something like that, or 10 CDs. They would joke that, you know, they only really needed the first disc with content because people never really went through the courses anyway. <laughs> and then it turns out one time, and this is a story from him, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but is one time the production, the disc production company, I made a mistake and only the first disc had content. So it's one disc with content and nine blank discs or something like that. <laughs> and almost nobody called in and complained. <laughs> nobody went through the courses. They just bought the course and they were done. Most of them. Isn't that crazy, huh? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say something else about on, on the other thing when it comes to the programs and why, and, and, the, and one of the reasons that neuromessaging is so much more effective is because it's not just in selling. It's like how you inspire is how you lay out information. It's the moment you lay on just information on people. We hate information. Um, it, we, we don't want information. You always have to, when you teach, uh, when you create like your curriculum, whatever it is, you have to build in the excitement and how are you going to get people actually results? Information is not effective at all. It needs to be, you need to do use the same thing. You need to get them excited about it for why they take the action so that they can see the outcome. It's just as important as it is to sell the product is that how do you actually get them results? Um, and and neuromessaging, it's the same thing. You keep you keep motivating them. You keep getting them emotional on what's possible. And then they take action and they get momentum and then they get results. So the, you, we, to summarize, we're not using this neuromessaging to sell it. We have to use the neuromessaging in your program itself to continue to inspire them to take that action. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, wow. it's that because the thing is, I, I mean, I call it neuromessaging. I didn't coin that term, but it's it's. it's you did. Thing is, I don't know where it comes from, um, but it's 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 a coin. There's also something called neuromarketing, um, which depending on how deep you go, you can actually hook people up to fMRI machines. You can look in their brains. Uh, you can measure things like like skin reactions. So neuromarketing, neuromarketing, neuromessaging. So in neuromarketing, it can go very deep. Traditionally, you would put like a focus group in a room and you would give them like, you know, say 10 questions, ask them what they thought about the product, if they would buy this in the future, you know, if they were interested, if it's exciting. But then when it turns out that that's not very effective, um, they say the answers they want to, but you, what you want, you want to measure behavior. So neuromarketing is when you hook people up to actual fMRI machines, or you measure them, their like their skin responses, their eyes dilating and things like that, or pupils dilating. Because then you can see, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like 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 this. Like we get we get an emotional response. It 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 it's for real. It's not it's not fake. But but then what what happens if you do that? Then you can tell by looking inside of their brains. You can tell what they react to. So for a, for a marketing message, if people say something, well, that may be the case. But then you can look in their brains. Oh, this area of the brain actually lit up, which means I know it's producing dopamine, or it means it's gonna start producing norepinephrine, which is gonna make them a little afraid, or it's gonna make them pay attention. Um, and in fact, they've done really interesting experiments with that where they hook people up to fMRI, fMRI machines. I think it was the Max Planck Institute somewhere in Germany, like 10 years ago, maybe more, where they the subjects were asked I think it was just a yes or no question. And then and then they gave a, a reason for why. But by looking at the machines inside of their brains, they the, the, the researchers knew what if they were going to say yes or no, something crazy like 10 seconds before the subjects themselves responded. Because they could tell what part of the brain lit up. So they knew, okay, this is going to be a yes. And then later on, like 10 seconds later, the subject said yes, and then gave them a reason. So we we make a decision so quickly and fast, and then the time takes to rationalize the decision. Like, so why am I believing this? And you come up with your own story of why you said yes. You know, why you wanted to go out on a date with this person. You just came up with that story, but the decision was made way before that you're not even aware of. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it's that fascinating. <laughs> yes. We're... we're... Com complicated biological 
things. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. We are we are complicated creatures. We're beautiful, complicated creatures that we don't fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> Some people think they understand, but do they? Mm, I don't think so. I think Einstein said it best. The more you the more you learn, the more you know, the more you understand how little you actually know. Yeah. Jasper, what's your definition of success? Oh, that's a good question. Um, my definition of success is doing what you love. Um, I mean, you you have the the classical things. You can live wherever you want, of course. Eat whatever you want. Do whatever you want. But doing something that you love, I think, is 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 success. And of of course, being able to support yourself on doing that. Um, I remember Seth Godin a few years ago. Seth Godin, I, I I admire Seth Godin very much. He's he's a very big marketing guy, and and he was on vacation, and he loves what he does. Um, so he was on vacation somewhere, and like, you know, like a paradise island or something like that. I don't remember the details, but he was sitting outside, I think, on his laptop, uh, working with something. He likes it, but then he said, "I overheard a couple passing by," and then the comment was, "Ah, oh, look at him." on vacation and he has to work oh man i feel so bad for him and like no i love what i do I, I wouldn't i do it on vacation whether i like it or not it just fascinates me this lights me up i'm super excited about it i get to be with the people that i love and i get to do what i what, what i love i think that's success De definitely that's a that's a very good example if if work doesn't feel like work you don't feel like working it's it's you enjoying what you do every moment of it i yeah. i think that's I think that's amazing isn't yeah. it yeah what what people should do you think if they have multiple passion and a lot of things lighten them up how would they how would they pick that one thing to focus on because there's only so much time in the day and there's only so much focus you have and then, of course, if you do too many things at one, it's hard to get good at that one or two maybe things. Yeah. What would you advise people? Yeah, that's a tough question. It's a good question, and it's a tough question. Um, I think you want to ask yourself if the thing, the things that are pulling you, you want to ask yourself this, is that really me wanting to do it? Or is it that it feels like I should be doing those things? And I I do believe that if you listen to your heart that way, uh, you're probably going to come up to a conclusion what you should focus on. Because a lot of times we get focused on the things we think we're supposed to do. And I think sunk cost has a lot to do with this. If you know the fallacy of sunk cost that we, we feel like because we invested 20 years of our life doing something in, in the past, then all of a sudden, well, because I did that, if I do something new, then all that time would have been wasted. But the, the past is just a blank slate. It means very little in the moment. You always have to go from where you are now. So the, the past is just disappeared. So if you feel like you're doing something because you feel like you have to do it because you invested time in it before, be mindful of that. Be mindful of that and start looking at what is it that they actually want to do? Like if I only had a week left, what would I focus on? Would I focus on this or would I focus on this? I I would uh, sometimes when people ask me that question, I would say like, what if money don't matter? What, what would you want to do? Sometimes yeah. it helps them kind of refocus there too. Because a lot of people worried about how they're going to pay the bills because that's, you know, that's real for yeah. many people can't yeah. say for all but a lot of people that's one of the biggest thing and they may have time for their passion but they may not because you know they get busy but i think passions are very important even if it's not your job you need to have something that sparks you give you that energy give you the drive and excitement what are your thoughts there i think so I mean, otherwise, what's life about? If you're not passionate about about the things you do or the people you're you're with, then what's life about? 
you know? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. What, I agree. What is your passion? What do you like to do when you're not uh, serving your clients? Well, I even if I am not serving clients, you're still gonna find me reading books on human behavior and things like that. So that's I, it's, I knew you were know. going to say that. <laughs> Well, I'm reading the marketing book, and now I'm reading the brain book, and now I'm reading the brain uh, books about, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the thing is, it spans so wide. I mean, it, it, it reaches into all areas of our lives. lives. Um, just like, I mean, I have two kids, for example, and, and they do weird things sometimes. And I say, why are they doing that? Because the human... So it's interesting to try to figure out, you know. Maybe they're exploring. Yeah, they're exploring. They're human. Um, so, so that's one aspect of it. And then the marketing thing is a whole aspect, of course. Um, I love the communication part. Um, like how we make a decision, how we can change a decision, or, or rather, we don't we don't change our minds, but we can come to a new decision based on new information. That's very well said. Yeah, we don't really change our, our minds because th there's so much at stake. When we change our minds, if we publicly state that I believe this, and then all of a sudden we change our minds, it goes against how we are as human, human creatures. We want to be consistent. We want to be seen as consistent with other people. So if you change your mind, there's a kind of a bad word for it. It's called a flip-flopper. Ah, that flip-flopper, the one, you know, it doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. He just cannot stay with one decision. He's just flip-flopping back and forth. We don't trust him. He doesn't have a spine. On the other hand, based on new information that I didn't have at the time, we can come to a new decision. So that's, it's a slightly different, it's different. We're not changing our minds. We're coming to a new decision based on new information yeah it's it's almost like we're looking from with new lenses from a different angle like we got new glasses yeah that's that's how i sometimes explain to people it's almost like either you got the new glasses or your your other glasses were so dirty you couldn't barely see yeah that's right yeah <laughs> that's a very good that's a very good analogy yeah i like that uh, how, how do you, uh, what's inspired you? How'd you get to help other entrepreneurs? Well, how did, how did that happen? Um, I mean, yeah, that's, I've, you know, I've never really worked the, 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 the way normal people do in my entire life. I think I always normal. Think, yeah, <laughs> I say normal. <laughs> what's normal. Can you explain the definition of normal, please? <laughs> yes. It's somebody who's not like me. <laughs> not like you? Okay. You're supernatural. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I had my like my I had my first company, I think 2005, uh slightly out of necessity, but I I had my first company 2005 in New York. Uh I've been working with clients you know, for, for that whole time, sometimes to a company, sometimes freelance. Um, so I haven't really ever, not ever, but very short stints working in a more traditional nine to five. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you can find something that you love. I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo-poo that at all. If, if somebody loves their job, that's great. Most people make their money that way and, and many people are super happy that way and it gives people comfort so i'm not gonna poo poo on that that's people's choices sure. it doesn't work that well for me though um because you're not normal i got it <laughs> i'm weird i'm a weirdo <laughs> it's so it's i don't know it's i i think i think it's getting more and more important to be entrepreneurial um in in the sense that the world is changing uh like the industrial revolution is, is really kind of not here anymore we have the ai revolution now it's going to be radically different oh ai is taking over oh <laughs> better watch out <laughs> yes but it will change so in, in terms of just 
being able to show up on time and do your job is probably not going to be the greatest odds for success in the future. Uh, so the more you can go into understanding problem solving, looking at the whole picture, understanding what's at, what's at the root of this and come up with solutions based on that, maybe even being humane is going to be one of those feet, somebody who doesn't rely on AI in, in every aspect. I don't know. This is just my speculation. But I think it's getting more and more important to be entrepreneurial in that sense, in that we're going to have the automations. We're going to have all the, not all the answers, we're going to have the information right at our fingertips. But how do you see beyond that? You know, how do you operate beyond something that's just thrown at you? So... I, 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 I mean, that's something I would encourage in most people and think, even if you're not an entrepreneur, think entrepreneurially. Like yeah, how... more, more like a spirit of entrepreneurship, right? By allowing, allowing people to use their creativity, maybe in their like a nine to five job or something like this, right? Yeah, yeah, I understand yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think the, the big three things they can take away from our conversation? I'll, I'll try to summarize it real quick and see if you agree. So first of all, they need to love, love what they do, being able to appreciate human interaction and serve the people and knowing the relevance of their message. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I, I think I think you hit it right on the, on the nail. I think... It's it's a this is a people's business. This is a understanding people, caring about people. Um, I think that's that at the heart of it. Yeah, understanding, caring for people. That's awesome. Well, uh, I I think I want I really I really want to appreciate you coming to the show and uh, sharing your expertise and your amazing knowledge of human behavior. We'll have your links posted. And if you, you can uh, say what, what they are, we also will have them posted. Uh, really appreciate your time and your, your wisdom and, uh, your, and your weirdness. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. I will ha we will have your links posted. Okay. Thank you, Jeannie. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll talk Bye -bye. to you soon. I think it's essential to know it is Jasper's zone of genius, a space where he guides his clients in the nuanced craft of communicating directly with the emotional tapestry of their potential clients. Imagine what the world would be if we could all do that. Until next time, keep the energy high, pursue your purpose, and make your mark. See you!